Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up and welcome to Believe in High School Basketball. I'm your host, Bryce Ronquillo. So thankful, so grateful to be on air. Thank you for joining me. Believe in High School Basketball is proud to be a part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the number one network in Los Angeles for sports podcasts. Let's get it. Episode 22 coming your way. Before we start the show, as always, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, wherever you stream your shows so you can be notified whenever I drop a new pod. Also leave a review as well, rate five stars, let me know your thoughts, good or bad, I want to hear them. Aaron Bergen is my guest today, you all probably know him better as full-time hoops, he's been covering San Diego basketball for many years and is one of the most respected evaluators in California for sure. And man, we covered a lot and this was a bit of a longer show, but you're going to want to stick through it to the end. We, we talked about a lot of great stuff. We talked about uh, the great comeback story that is Nick Herman and his Tory Pine squad overcoming cancer and winning a, a, a CIF title. All the inspirational stories that have come from this season in his area in San Diego. And we spent a majority of the time talking about what I'm calling Tortilla Gate. The, <laughs> the incident that, that took place last week. Or we recorded this on Saturday. So about a week and a half for you guys. The incident that took place at the Orange Glen Coronado game that drew national media attention. And Aaron was really at the heart at that media coverage, he was really the driving force of a lot of the information that was coming out, and that's just a testament to how much of a rapport he's built up in his area and how much people trust him. And so, without further ado, here's Aaron Bergen, full-time hoops. Enjoy. All right, guys, you heard it in my intro, but welcome again, Mr. Aaron Bergen, full-time hoops, full-time dad. How you doing, my man? What's good? Um, I'm I'm good, man. Saturday morning, you know, week is weekends here. I, I'm I'm feeling great. We love that, and you you've been a pretty uh, busy guy as of late. We're we're gonna talk all about it today. Whew. Oh man, it has been it's been quite the week to say the least. Yeah, and we're, we're we'll get into it. We'll get into the big topic that I know everyone's tuning in to to kind of hear about. Um, but, uh, before we get into that, um, I got, I got a question for you and it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's because it's a funny story and I want the listeners to it, hear, but do you, do you remember, uh, how we met Aaron? Was it at one of the camps where you were coaching AJ? Yep. 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 It yep. was, uh, of course it was a junior all American camp. It was all my, American camp. My Aaron mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, AJ was in, uh. He was in seventh grade, I believe, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm gonna tell the story because it's funny. So this is this is my first camp I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've ever ran. I've never ran an event like this before, been a part of it. So um, I had, you know, your son on my team, and you know, I had a couple other good players. Uh, 
Um, I believe I had Ramel Lloyd on that team. He was in sixth yep. grade. He was playing up. And uh, uh, Javi Medeiros is at um, uh, Cal State Bakersfield now. Um, and a couple other solid guys that uh, had good high school careers. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this team, we, we, were getting, we were getting worked, man. We were getting cooked every game. You know, they, they just weren't, mm-hmm. weren't gelling together. And, you know, your son was, you know, he was in seventh grade, but he was a small seventh grader. Um, he hadn't yet mm-hmm. hit that growth spurt. So um, there, was a, a <laughs> there was a couple times where he was just getting bullied, um, and I, was, I took him out. And <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you, were not, you were not too happy about that. Um, oh no i totally remember that i was i was like man you know he's he's got to play through this you know you got to give him that opportunity to try to grow through that through through the through the bullying yeah i, I remember that right. really well it was over at cerritos college absolutely and, and you were you know, you're absolutely you were, right you were absolutely right that's what those camps were for but me having no idea what i was doing was just like man this guy's getting getting worked out here. I need to, I need to, I need to pull him out. <laughs> so I yanked your son <laughs> and man, you gave me a, you gave me an earful. Um, you gave oh, me an earful man. during the game. And, uh, and it was funny. Cause and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. And you, and you know why? Because afterwards, literally the next day you came up to me, as soon as I walked in, you shook my hand. You said, I apologize for my behavior yesterday. I was just mm-hmm. so, you know, riled up about, you know, these guys, you know, they're, they're not playing team ball, whatever, you know, and you're right. You know, a lot of them were, and that's how a lot of those camps go. Um, oh. But yeah. And uh, I, I didn't know who you were. And then till later I figured out, I saw, I found you on Twitter and it's got like, you know, some, some thousand Twitter followers, you know, <laughs> scout from San Diego. I'm like, Oh man, this dude's like a scout. And I yanked his son. Now he hates me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Hate, yeah, definitely didn't hate you. I think that 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 camp might have been kind of the turning point for AJ too, where he realized, like, in order for him to get to the level where he wanted to go, you know, it was gonna take. He was gonna have to, you know, not just at some point he was gonna grow, but you know, he had to figure out ways to stay on the floor if it wasn't going to be, you know, scoring at that point because he just wasn't physically ready to do that, you know, play hard on defense, play hard, um, play hard and hustle and grab loose balls, dive on the floor, all mm-hmm. those things. And like the very next year at that camp, you know, he came in with a totally different outlook. And I think that was kind of the, that was kind of the start of, you know, his trajectory going upward, but definitely a learning experience for both father and son that weekend, for sure <laughs> yeah and to give to give aj some credit you know after that 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 game where all that happened his his last couple games uh he did much better and he uh, yep. like you you saw the dog in him um which you you mm-hmm. still see in his game his game today and uh we could talk a little bit about aj later um because yeah. I, I think how you guys have how, how you've done your job as you know both uh, as a basketball dad and and setting your son up for success I think that's something uh some some good some good topics of conversation but uh before we get into that we'll get to that a little later you know we're we're gonna talk about you know what happened last week if uh with tortilla gate as I'm calling it oh man (laughs) but um you know I got I gotta ask first before we get there you know, as an evaluator and just a full-on basketball junkie, as I know you are, how is it just to be back in the gym 
evaluating games, seeing playoff games, AAU games. Saw you were at the Pro-Am, uh, San Diego Pro-Am. Just after all we've been through as a basketball community in this past year, year and some change. And as a country, too, just what is it like to be, just be back yeah. in the gym for you? For me, the moment where I just felt like I could just exhale was – I want to say it was the first couple of championships last week, the sectional championships. Uh, the I think the Crawford versus Vincent Memorial game. Mm. And to see two communities back in the gym, screaming full volume, game goes to overtime. It, it was, it was really cathartic and, it was, you know, not just because it was a it was a very tightly contested game, but it's like, you know, storming the court and there are no like, no one's looking at you sideways because you know this could become quote unquote a super spreader. Mm-hmm. Knowing that so many people have done the right thing to get us to this point, and now we can all, you know, celebrate and be social once again. Uh, that was a really, you know, surreal moment for me. And then just the build, you know, build up from that game onward. It's just, you know, it's it's great to see faces that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, it's great to be in a gym where, you know, it's not artificial noise being piped in. It's actual <laughs> fans. You know, it's there. There are. There are lots of people. Everyone's, you know, you know, everyone's really just dialed into the game. Of course, you know, along with that comes, you know, some of the crazy fans who, you know, you you kind of hope that they would mend their ways during the pandemic, but they're back out in full force as well. And um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you got to take the good with the bad with this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it's just, and then at the pro am this week, just. You know, being there, able to sit next to so many luminaries that, you know, I've only seen just, you know, one at a time during this period. But seeing them all in the gym, enjoying a game of basketball and, you know, not having the worries or, you know, the fear that we would have had as recently as maybe five or six months ago, Mm. knowing that most of the people in that gym have taken care of business on the, on the virus, on, on the virus side, mm-hmm. getting vaccinated, being back out. You know, it's, it's been a fun, it's been a fun few weeks for sure. And, you know, even, I'll even give the COVID season some credit. I mean, it was a weird year, of course, going into these empty gyms and, mm-hmm. but the boys competed uh, teams found a way to get things done from the basketball side of things, I know there were maybe a handful of teams that dealt with pauses in San Diego, but for the most part, teams were able to get through close to a full schedule, get into the playoffs. There was only one team that bowed, that bowed out of the playoffs in San Diego. Uh, everyone else, everything else went according to plan. And I think the message from here on out is, this is what we're capable of if we all step up and do the right thing as a society. We can get back to, you know, we may never be back to what we were doing, you know, before the pandemic hit, 
because I personally think that the different variants of the virus are going to, you know, they're going to pose a challenge to society moving forward, but we can get back to having fun and just being social as we are if we all do our part. And I think that's a testament to all the people in the San Diego Hoops community who have done that. And we're back and all across Southern California, you know, you hear the same chorus and it's, it's a wonderful thing for sure. Yeah. It's just, man, so much we've gone through just as a state, really, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people were frustrated for a long time because you're looking at other States, you're seeing everyone else playing and, over here, you know, couldn't even run practices. But I think we're seeing all that patience and, like you said, people um, really just taking care of business and, and doing the things that needed to get done in order for us to have a season. Um, you're seeing that mm-hmm. all come to fruition. And, and because of that, we're getting those great stories and great storylines and that we just – you can't get anywhere else than prep sports and one of the really cool ones that I saw coming out of San Diego was um just the story of 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 Nick Herman and and Tory Pines oh. and just oh, how man. man like how inspiring is is that kid and and that team man you know at the be- the I always joke with AJ that they were you know they were victim number 1 and Torrey Pines' quest for undefeated uh, glory. Mm-hmm. They had them the first game of the season and oh, lost okay. to them by 34. And a lot of Jeez. people within our program were questioning how good we were if, you know, they're beating us by 34 opening night. And then Torrey goes on this huge run where they're just basically, there's no contest for, for weeks. They're <laughs> just blowing teams out. And then they get to the moment uh, that open division championship game where Cathedral, to their credit, they come into the gym unfazed, knowing that they had beaten them a year ago in the exact same stage. And they play with them step for step. And 0.5 seconds on the clock, and Nick hits what goes down as arguably, you know, one of the greatest, I would put it in the top 10. Um, greatest moments, maybe in high, given the back Nick mm-hmm. backstory, I would say in high school history, there's there's not many shots that have that type of significance, and also have that type of inspirational backdrop. It just it's something out of a Hollywood script, and it couldn't happen to a better kid. You know, Nick. You know, a lot of a lot of people are have been introduced to Nick because of the story of him battling cancer. But, you know, for us who have known Nick way before that, we know Nick is like, Nick was a hooper. Nick was a guy who his final AAU tournament before he found out about his cancer was averaging like 20 a game, 25 a game against high-level competition at the 16 and under level. And he was doing it on one leg his last tournament. And, you know, crazy. it was, it's, yeah, he's, he's been, he was a, he's a hooper. And so that first year back watching him play while it was inspirational, all of us were like, this isn't Nick. Like this, this is, this is maybe like half of what Nick was before, you know, before everything happened. This year we got to see Nick close to 90% back and, 
he he was on a war path almost all season. Uh, I dropped my all San Diego team, the one that I do independent of uh, CIS, and I had to I gave Tory Pines co-players of the year with Nick and Chris Howell because I felt that they were both equally responsible for the success that Tory Pines had all year. Nick was Tory's leading scorer, and in that championship game. Lost among, lost in the whole emotional storyline, Nick had 30 points and willed his team back from double-digit deficits in the in the first half. I mean, there was there was a point where it looked like Cathedral might just run away with this thing, and Nick goes on a personal 13-0 run to even things up and to give Tory the lead at halftime, and that was just unbelievable in itself watching that, watching him come back down on defense and yell at, uh, I, I can't remember which defender, like, you can't guard me, bro. I, I'm sitting here like, man, let's go. And this is this is the Nick I know. This is the Nick that, I mean, Nick Nick was on that. Nick had a, a his summer club team. He played for Game Point. He was on that team with Bryson Stevens, who just recently retired from hoops, and Kimo Ferrari, who's at Brown University. And those three would just give dudes buckets like all summer long. And I, I'm sitting here like, that's the Nick I know. And so it's so inspirational that he's able to climb back and play at almost the same level before he was diagnosed with cancer. It's inspirational to people who are battling um, this awful disease themselves that, yes, you can climb back and reach that pinnacle once again. And just that was the moment that San Diego basketball collectively exhaled and said, you know what, we're, we're back, we're here. And what a great moment to have, you know, for at least the briefest of weeks, San Diego hoops could say that we had the number one team in California. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's incredible in itself because the Southern section pretty much has, own that title for the last decade it's you know whoever wins the southern section open division has been pretty much a lock for that number one spot and at least this year we provided capable resistance and i couldn't be prouder of us as a region i couldn't be prouder of nick as a as a human being and as a basketball player and i couldn't be prouder of tory pines as a team been and what an incredible story for sure man you you just said that beautifully and that's you know all that you know the prep hoops what we all love about high school basketball so much is just those kind of stories oh it's great ain't it grand it's great and um you know I'm, i'm glad that we got someone like you to to tell these stories um to, to the rest of us who maybe can't get down to San Diego to see some of these games all the time. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's great stuff, man. And, um, you know, from one inspirational story to one that's maybe not so inspirational. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got, we got to talk about it. And, um, of course, you know, that's, that's why I, I got you on here. I'd like to, you know, try to bring some, maybe some clarity to the situation to those who may be a bit confused on what happened. And, you know, there's been a lot of voices, a lot of, a lot of media attention 
And for, for those who, who don't know what I'm talking about, all right, you've been under a rock, okay? Because literally, like, the New York Times <laughs> has been covering this. But I'll, I'll give you guys a, a quick breakdown of what happened. So last Saturday, you know, we're recording today on, on a Saturday, so about a week ago, um, D2 Championship, Orange Glen, Coronado, um, Coronado wins at the buzzer, an emotional game, a great game. Um, and, you know, in the midst of Coronado winning, there's stormings of the courts from their fans, um, and then altercations break out, and what appears um, head coach uh, J.D. LaPerry was kind of at the center of um, head coach for Coronado, and as all this is unfolding, um, tortillas start flying in. Uh, yep, tor- <laughs> tortillas uh, started to fly from the sky. Students, players, it seemed like cheerleaders even, were given tortillas and thrown, and they were throwing them into the crowd um, after the game. And, you know, this had some major implications because Orange Glen, a largely Latino uh, population and for their school in Coronado, mostly white. And so right away, people just jumped on it and there was just a lot going on. So first of all, I just want to know what it's been like for you to cover this story as it has developed and how it's unfolded. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the implications of this. In a word, exhausting. It has been, it has been physically exhausting to cover you know, the twists and turns and the, you know, the tribalization mm. of our region. That's a great word. <laughs> That's exactly what it's been, but, but go ahead. Yeah, just as people are staking out sides on either side of the divide. To be honest with you, it's a microcosm of where we are as a society right now, especially mm. in the United States, where it feels like nobody can nobody can find that shade of gray anymore everything mm. has become very if you're not on this side with me you're against me mm. and i think that the story the story should have been alex crawford hitting an incredible shot somebody mentioned very christian leitner-esque two seconds left on the clock he gets mm-hmm. it at the top of the key hits fadeaway three-pointer at the buzzer and rides off in the arms of his teammates and his community and hops on a plane and goes to Stetson the next, like literally that night. What a send off for, for a kid who, you know, a lot of people who don't know Alex Crawford, Alex Crawford was a kid who was at East Lake high school his first three years and was kind of an afterthought in our region. Uh, Then right around the time of the pandemic towards the end of the season at Eastlake, he really turned it on. And then during the pandemic, he worked his behind off to turn that elite athleticism that he has. He's a world-class athlete, mm-hmm. leaper. Um, he's, you know, he's an incredible athlete, but turned it into an actual, you know, package that became, a, you know, he, he turned himself into a division one player and that should have been the story. But instead, um, as most of you know, uh, at this point, 
a 40-year-old man comes into the gym, a Coronado alum, alumnus, thinking that it's going to be okay to quote-unquote recreate uh, a, a tradition that he had never seen at his college mm-hmm. and handed out tortillas. And rather than rather than sticking to the script of like doing it during a celebration, um, the, the, the people that throw them, throw them during an altercation. And as you've mentioned, um, you know, there was an altercation near the scores table, right? What, at what was supposed to be the handshake line. Um, the game, the, the post game celebration was just about wrapping up and, you know, orange Glenn's, uh, side was waiting to shake hands and go through the CIF uh, post-game ceremony. And just as a quick correction, those two teams that played in the Division II championship and the sectionals a week before, and, and the weird twist that um, the state does with our, uh, our teams, both of them ended up in the Division Four single-A uh, state regional bracket. So this was the four A regional championship. Gotcha. It's, okay. it's a weird it's it's a weird quirk with us. Like apparently apparently our division one and division two champions are seen at the same level as Southern Section's Division Four teams. Go figure. But uh <laughs> that's another story. But they're waiting for the handshake line and then all eyes are on coach JD LaPerry as he turns toward corn, uh, orange Glenn's bench and screams at them to get the F out the gym. And according to the orange Glenn's head coach calls the team losers. Um, Jeez. first off, I've known JD for a really long time. I've been to multiple Coronado games. I don't know what triggered him to do this, but in that single moment where he turned to them and basically gave them the bird and told them to get the F out the gym, he was, he was, he was, uh, is this a PG, is this a PG podcast? Go ahead, go ahead. Speak your mind. He was fucked, bro. (laughs) (laughs) From that, the moment he did that, it was, it was, it was a wrap. And, you know, that is what, that was literally the match that sparked the whole blaze because the next thing you know, Orange and Lynn coaches are like, hold on, nah, you're not getting, what? And so they rush each other at the, at the uh, scores table. They're just, you know, jawing with one another. There's, you know, pushing and shoving going on. There's, you know, all sorts of craziness. And then, of course, packets of mission tortillas come flying in towards the orange Glen side. And as the one girl at the scores table in her video, her initial reaction kind of is just, it it really just solidified the initial consensus. This is racist as hell. And that it just, it put a black eye on what was, you know, what was a really good game, a competitive game between two teams that had bad blood from the previous week when they played in the section championships. But, you know, as, as a lot of these stories go, obviously there's layers to everything. And, you know, after speaking with all of the, 
you know, I've spoken with coaches on both sides of this. I've spoken with players on both sides of this. Um, and, you know, I've gotten kind of, a, a, you know, and then obviously, you know, reading the media reports of, you know, the, the guy who brought the tortillas in, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get this very, you get a very complex picture that really does paint to you the the lesson of racism being on this very large spectrum and at one end of the spectrum you have implied and perceived bias and then on the very opposite end you have you know outright hate crimes yeah and what what we've what i've learned and what others i hope take away from this is that both ends of the spectrum are problematic yeah, and even as as problematic as as a hate crime is, it's even more problematic to deny the racial implications of an action that maybe wasn't intended to be racist, mm. but definitely has that overtone. Yeah, and we're we are where we are in Tortilla Gate because <laughs> one community. And, you know, and I wouldn't even say one community. I would say one section of a community is fiercely fighting the idea that this was racist, even if they didn't intend it to be. The fact that they're just fighting it so fiercely is it will not let this story come to a resolution that could be a teachable moment. Yeah. You know, and. And so, you know, we're at this point now where next week CIF, I, you know, I've, I've got my sources in CIF. CIF will probably be wrapping up its investigation from the local um, side and also the state side. Uh, we've already had the Coronado uh, School Board fire uh, head coach Lapiri. Um, he was with the he's been with the program since 2009. Uh, had a lot of hmm. he's always been a coach who's had a lot of regular season success I remember a few years before this Wayne McKinney led team he had a team that was like 28 and 3 going into the playoffs and lost in the first round which was absolutely incredible and you know he's had a lot of regular season success and this was the first team that he had get over the hump win a section title win a regional title and we don't even get to talk about any of that. So yeah. he's gone now. His entire staff is, you know, obviously not going to come back. They're 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 leaving too. And you have a community in Coronado that is facing a reckoning, and one half of the community is just not having it. Even even with even with the with the storyline now going from this was an overtly racist act to this was implied bias, they're still not, they, they still don't want to, mm-hmm. they don't want to come to grips with that. And, you know, we'll, you know, it's going to, it's the, the implications and the reverberations from this are going to persist for a quite some time. Yeah. Have you uh, talked to Coach LaPerry or anyone close to him? Um, I have talked to a couple of his assistants. Coach LaPerry has kind of just walled himself off from everybody. 
I talked to JD the night everything happened. So I'll give you where I'll give you my account of what was going on because as a lot of people know, I wasn't I was not at the game. I was driving home from Idaho, um, dropping AJ off to college, and I was going. To, I was spending the night in St. George, and I was watching the game on uh, the NFHS network. And I had parents on both sides giving me information about like the the game as it was going on. You know, uh, Orange Glen was off was off to a big lead. They led almost the entire game. Start of the fourth quarter was when Coronado made its comeback. Uh, tied the game late. Orange Glenn had a chance to win the game in regulation. Wayne McKinney fouled Mickey Chu shooting a three. Mickey Chu is uh, Orange Glenn star guard. And he, down one, he had three free throws and made one and missed two. So they went to overtime and Wayne McKinney fouled out. Then Alex hits the game winning shot. So I'm getting text messages and watching the game and then I get a message on my Twitter, like, oh, my God, Coach Lapiri just cursed out our team and there are tortillas flying at our team. You know, what's going on? And so I replayed the, 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 um, I replayed the broadcast. And sure enough, you know, you can see, you know, you can see something flying in the air. And you look, and it's a couple of their basketball players from Coronado throwing them. So I immediately took the screen record and posted it on uh, mm-hmm. my Twitter account. This is the tweet and that everybody saw. Kind of, <laughs> yep. That's the one that just kind of got everything rolling. And then I get a direct message from JD and JD's like, this is, you know, fuck, this has gone out of control. I'm like, you know, I hit him up like, Hey man, I just got a message from, uh, you know, I just got off the phone with Chris Featherly from Orange Glen, the head coach. You know, he wanted me to, he wanted me to put his statement out on Twitter because he doesn't have Twitter or any social media. And I was like, I want to, I want to offer you an opportunity to just, you know, do the same thing right now, right here. And he, and his response was, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to sleep on this. I want to call Chris in the morning and, you know, tell him I'm sorry um, for everything. I'm like, okay, like, all right, it's cool. But I still, you know, I still have an obligation around Chris's statement. Mm-hmm. So then I posted Chris, I posted Chris Featherly's statement, which was also, you know, widely retweeted that night. By the time I wake up Sunday morning, we have a full realization of how badly this is about to turn. You know, my phone, which is normally pretty docile at night, I wake up to over 300 notifications <laughs> on my Twitter alone. Oh, my. Like, holy crap. And so I'm seeing all the quote tweets from people who have just, like, this is racism at its peak. You know, Coronado's being Coronado. You know, holy crap. And at this point, you know, J.D. then was – I think J.D. was told not to make any more statements – except for the one that he put out on his Twitter, which the acknowledged, apology, right? yeah, acknowledged, well, and, and the, and the problem that made that apology so problematic. And it's one of the things that I've spoken about on Twitter. His apology was about the tortillas being thrown, 
but made no mention of mm. his behavior, yeah. which sparked the 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 fracas at the you know at the end of the game, and that in itself was like, come on, man, you've got to you you specifically told me last night that you wanted to call Chris and apologize for for that but you completely leave it out of the statement and it become and you're coming across as tone deaf your program's coming across as tone deaf and it just added more more fuel to this fire and then then the politicians came in later that day Lorena Gonzalez who mm-hmm. is arguably the third most powerful Democrat in the state of California behind Governor Gavin Newsom and I'd argue uh, Shirley Weber, who's the Secretary of State. Lorena Gonzalez hops in and, you know, they need to be stripped of their title. We had heard that from just, you know, just people, you know, in the, in the, in the blogosphere and the Twitter sphere saying that, but that was the first official salvo from somebody with a lot of, a lot of weight around here. Like they need to have their title stripped. And then, then the news media started to see the story as, you know, having, you know, far reaching uh, implications and they jumped in. I got calls from the Associated Press. I got calls from Reuters, um, emails from all of the local reporters like, hey, are you able to, you know, where'd you get the footage? And, you know, this, that, and third. And so by Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, you get the full scope that this story not only is a regional story, this is a national story now. And, you know, Coronado's Coronado School Board puts out their statement Sunday, and it does nothing really to quell um, the, the calls for, you know, for action because their statement is deemed to kind of tiptoe around the the issues and they're called out and then it just becomes even louder and it's amplified and it's magnified and they called a special meeting and then we the special meeting rolls around and right before that wayne put out a statement wayne mckinney who's you know he's at usd he's you know i i think he's going to have a tremendous career in the west coast conference he's one of the best athletes i've ever seen in my life and Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's he's a hell of a basketball player, and he puts out his statement, and his statement, along with Coronado's basketball uh, Instagram account, they echo this. Oh, this was a tradition at UCSB, the tortilla toss, and you know, a lot of us in SoCal know about tortilla tosses. We, you know, we've seen them happen at you know UC Santa Barbara. I know Irvine had, you know, graduation where they tossed tortillas once or twice. But when you look at the tape of what happened at the game, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it doesn't, it does not drive. Didn't look anything like that. Yeah. Doesn't look anything like it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the UCSB people throw it on the field, not at their opponents. Mm-hmm. And it's not the players launching the tortillas, you know. So it just, that, again, another just bomb thrown into an already chaotic scenario leading into this Monday board meeting. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, they know me and on Twitter as a basketball guy, but those who know me, they know that I've, you know, I spent 15 years in the, in the news industry. I was a reporter 
at the Riverside Press Enterprise. I worked at the Union Tribune and not in sports. I worked in investigative reporting and, you know, government reporting. Mm -hmm. So I go to attend the school board meeting and I'm covering it as like as a regular reporter. So I'm sitting here listening to each of the public speakers get up and give their testimony. And you again, you can see the polarization occurring right in front of you. Every speaker from the Coronado community came up, refused to accept responsibility for, except for one, with the exception of one, refused to accept responsibility for this, uh, for, for what happened. They blamed the board for jumping the gun. They said that the board's actions had caused the players on the team to receive death threats. Uh, one of the players, they said, were, you know, somebody sent them a message uh, to kill themselves, you know, and, and th- that's, you know, that's problematic in itself. Adults jumping in kids' direct messages on Twitter and social media. If you're doing that, you're yeah, that's plain, pro- plain and simple. Yeah, exactly. That, like, bro, that, there's no place for that at yeah. all. Don't be jumping but in kids' DMs. <laughs> don't do that. Come on. Like, that's that's some weird shit, bro. Like, come on. But none of the speakers wanted to accept any responsibility. They just wanted to lash out at the board, mm-hmm. except for one. Mm-hmm. One parent, Kevin Ashley, his, his son, Kieran, plays on the team. Uh, Kevin's white. His son is half African. Uh, he was born in Kenya. Uh, you know, Kevin spoke very eloquently about things and he actually nailed the, he nailed the complexity of this. Yeah. The kid, yeah, I saw that clip through the very, yeah, he said yeah. some really good huh? stuff. I said, I saw that clip yeah. that you posted and he, you're right. He absolutely nailed all the points on that. You yeah. know, like he said, he talked about the kid and he's like, I coached this kid and I know he's not a, not a bad kid. He just did a really stupid thing. Um, but also, like you said, he acknowledged that this had some race, racial implications and it hurt a lot of people. And you could even see like how burdened he was um, yeah. by it. You could hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. His voice shook as he spoke. And to me, that was the that was the most powerful testimonial at the meeting because it came from a parent from Coronado's side. Yeah. And then, of course. You had the course of people who, um, you know, a lot of people have already latched on to this for some of the organizations, Border Angels, the NAACP, and their speakers came up and, you know, they they had their speeches of how this was a racist act and that the board needed to, you know, needed to make an example out of everybody involved. And then the board, um, the board superintendent, Carl, uh, the school superintendent, Carl Mueller, gets up and tells everybody that the investigation is probably going to last at least one to three weeks because of all the different agencies that have to conduct their own investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, their school board, Escondido school board, the police department, um, CIF state, CIF local. So this is going to be a long process. When he says that, everyone in the room, just about everyone leaves. Um, I stuck around just because I didn't want to get caught with my pants down. And so I stuck around for about an hour after the meeting. Um, the school board locked the doors to the, to the um, actual boardroom and locked 
the um, the school the school district offices. So a lot of us were outside, and then we saw somebody walk out of a side door, and they're like, "Yeah, the board just came in, and the meeting's over." And so like me and a couple of other reporters, we sprinted in the door. And I was like, "Hold on, you rewind, give me give me the rundown." And so the board clerk was like, "Yep, uh, the vote was fought. Uh, the vote was." Uh, there was a motion made by this board member. It was seconded by board member Antrim. Uh, the vote was 5-0, and the coach has been relieved as head coach. Like, mm-hmm. whoa. Yeah. Like this, after, after saying it was going to last one to three weeks, they come in, <laughs> sneak in, <laughs> and 5-0 vote, to vote the coach out. Yeah. So then, then you get the chorus of people saying that, you know, you've got – a third of the people saying, you know, hallelujah, he's a racist, he's got to go. You got another third saying, like, oh, they're, you know, they're making him a scapegoat. Everybody need, everyone's heads need to roll. And then you got another third of people saying, you're making him a scapegoat. He needs to keep his job. There was nothing do- wrong done here. And it's like mm-hmm. everybody's just kind of all over the place. And that's when I hopped on the live to kind of try to, you know, try to break things down about the decision because there were so many people who were saying that JD, you know, yeah, get his racist ass out of here. This and third. And I'm like, yo, like, first off, let's, let's just kill it because JD's not a racist. You know, I've known him for nine years. You know, he's net, this isn't, this doesn't jive with, with JD at all, but the board made, you know, the board in their speeches, they kind of, you know, they showed their hand a little bit uh, for people who can read between the lines because they all mentioned that, you know, the tortilla throwing was inappropriate. The profanity was inappropriate. Ah, so I, you know, I had, I had a talk with the unnamed. um, I, I mean, I had a talk with some people, who are in the know in the situation and JD's outburst at the end of the game, probably even if there wasn't a tortilla sound because it was so public and caught on tape and you know, the, the idea of like telling another team to get the fuck out of the gym and calling them losers, that was a fireable offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, because it violated their ed code and not to mention, you know, see it like I've said multiple times, CIF as its primary mantra is pursuing victory with honor. And that kind of flies right in the face of everything that CIF stands for. So he was probably, you know, even if there wasn't a tortilla thrown, they were going to make an example out of him. And so he lost his job as a result. As for the rest of, you know, everyone else, there are definitely going to be more, there's going to be more action taken. Uh, The board obviously had on its closed session agenda, um, you know, student discipline, but they have not made any public decisions in regards to, you know, what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. You've got the man who brought the tortillas in, who later, who the next day, he entered the fray and added a whole new wrinkle to it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, his name's Luke Cerna. Um, you know, some people, some people have, 
you know, jumped on the fact that he's half Latino as this couldn't have been a racist event. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's half he's half yeah. Latino. How could he be racist? Not going to comment on that, folks. Just watch Law and Order. Uh, there's plenty of examples out there. But you know, you know, he's he's a he's a self-described socialist. And so then you've got now you've oh, got wow. this I didn't know backlash. That. Yeah, he on you know according to according you know to like his Twitter his, his Twitter account he's a self described democratic socialist. Okay, so gotcha. then you have this immediate backlash from the from the conservative um, people in our community, namely Carl DeMaio, who Carl DeMaio over the last couple of years has taken more L's than the Sacramento Kings, so he jumps in. And then um, alludes to this conspiracy theory that is going around the island that that the that Luke Cerna is a plant by the Democrat by the Democrats to create oh, a, a racist scene that then Coronado School Board will use to justify bringing critical race theory classes and curriculum oh, into Coronado Unified it, School District. Is that is that like? For real, for real, what he's he's pushing, like, oh, you no, know, I can look Luke up the receipts pushing? on this. <laughs> yeah, they're they're oh yes. If you look up Carl DeMaio, like you you look it up, you'll see it. It's, oh, it's there. Gosh. It's there. And there are parents. There's a parent Facebook page, a Coronado parent Facebook page, where this is this is being actively discussed as like a theory. And, oh man, like. I literally twisted my body into a pretzel <laughs> saying that. Like, how stupid do you guys have to be to think that, like, it's that deep? Okay. It really isn't that deep. It's a guy who graduated from Coronado who, you know, who decided for whatever reason that he wanted to recreate his college alma mater celebration by handing out packets of tortillas to, he handed them to the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders refused to throw them. They were like, we, we don't want to have to deal with the cleanup afterwards. Yeah. He handed them to other people. They didn't throw them. But then right at the end, during the altercation, he handed them to two basketball players. And the two basketball players, of all people, threw them at the Orange Glen coach and their, and their staff and their players and their entourage. And me having me having a seventeen year old and and having an eleven year old, you know, and and seeing them grow up, you know, I I can I can obviously try to put myself in the mind of of a, of a teenage boy, and obviously I was a teenage boy at one point. I didn't come right. off the woman as a thirty year old, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, kids think kids think that us that you, me, and all of adults, we just literally like plopped out the womb with you know four hundred one k and like a college degree. <laughs> Never mind that we've you know been through all of this, right? You know, I I thought about it for a second. Like, okay, if I'm a kid in that position and somebody just hands me a packet of tortillas, and my coach is in an argument with another coach, what am I gonna do with these tortillas? Am I gonna <laughs> am I gonna throw them at that guy? And at I'm gonna go team? home and make some quesadillas, you know, man. That's what I'm gonna do with those exactly. tortillas. Bro, you give me some tortillas. We have enchiladas that night. That's like, bro. like <laughs> I got dinner, bro. That's like, thanks for providing me with dinner tonight, man. <laughs> and they're and they're in the package. 
They're not like they're not <laughs> out the package, bro. Thank you. Like another expense off of my book. But like like I just I just you know, people have tried to like justify the kids throwing them at the at the fans. I mean at at, at Orange Glen and I I'm just like, bro, even if they weren't tortillas, let's yeah. just say they were like bags of popcorn. Why would you, as a player, ever throw anything at your opponent? Anything, mm-hmm. you know? Is it the example that we have, you know, coming out of the pandemic? These stupid fans who are throwing things at the opponents as they're leaving the gym. Right. Like, is that the example that you're that they're following? Well, if you're following that example, guys, guess what? Those fans can never attend a basketball game in that arena ever again. Mm-hmm. So that's like literally that's the if that's the example you're following there's going to be consequences yeah there there are going to be consequences and of course when you're that so, young you're thinking you're invincible i can do stupid mm-hmm. stuff and get away with it and you're not thinking about all these implications and no i would hope now that those players that are you know th- that have that through those tortillas their parents or whoever, you know, is around them, the adults in their circle are helping them learn from this rather than kind of what we're seeing, like you said, the polarization where you're 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 boogeymanning people. You're you're saying, Oh, don't look at this, like look at this instead. This is re- really what's going on. And they, it's just like you said, it's a ploy. It's a you know, they're just, you know, out to get them. You know, you're you're make you're turning people into the boogeyman. Um and, and yeah. kind of diverting away from you know, hey, this could be a this is a big learning moment for all of us. You know, like I tweeted you, man. Like, if this mm-hmm. is really a celebration that is going on at various colleges, like honestly, as a as a brown man myself, I'm uncomfortable with that. I like, can we do a better celebration? Like, you're <laughs> you're, you're wasting perfectly good tortillas, man. Like, I'm gonna go home and make some enchiladas with those. Like, why do we gotta throw tortillas? Can we do something else? Like. It's there's just, gotta, we can do better. There's got to be something else. There's yeah. got to be something better. And you nailed it on the head. I'm not even saying y'all That's are racist. All. I'm not even going to say this is overtly racist. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But I'm going to, yeah. for you, can can we do better? Can we think first can before we? saying, yes. hey, I'm going to bring some tortillas in. You know, this nothing can go wrong here. <laughs> it's like, dude. Use your, you're a 40 year old man, like use your brain, like, especially in the climate that we're in as a society that with all that has happened and all the racial tension, you're going to go and do that. That, that, that to me is like, okay, man, we got to be smarter. I'm not even going to call you a racist or anything like that. Like, let's just be smarter. Let's be smarter. Let's, let's literally, let's literally step into the gym realize that their entire fan base, almost their entire fan base is black and brown people. Look at the packet of tortillas in my hand and calculate that if I throw these or anyone throws these, this, this is going to get ugly. Like somebody Mm -hmm. is going, this is going to be implied as bias. And like I, all of my, all of my commentary has been, uh, recently has been at this 40 year old man like you're telling me you couldn't compute that i get the kids might not but you're 40 you're freaking 40 man you're yeah. 40 years old there's no there there's no excuse for you walking into the gym read the gym bro it's that simple 
Yeah. But as for the kids and going home, you nailed it because all I'm seeing from parents in Coronado, with the exception of a handful, is everyone trying to just like run away from this. And my boys are good. They could do no wrong. How could you say this? This and the third. This is about critical race theory. This and the third. And it's like, let's just stop. Own that this situation was ugly. Own that this situation was classless. Stop fighting the idea that this doesn't have racial undertone. And let's learn from this. And that's where, and, and, and here we are now, a week removed from it. And it's not going anywhere because of the fact that, you know, rather than trying to learn from this and, and get better from this, you've got a group of people who have decided that they're going to fight it. And by fighting it, it's just continue to stoke the controversy. You know, beyond Lorena Gonzalez, we had, um, we had Nora Vargas, who's on our uh, county board of supervisors. We had Ben Wessel, who was a former uh, city councilman who uh, was elected to Congress, a Congress, uh, not Congress, to the state Senate. So you have a state senator now on board with, you know, saying that this needs to happen. And then you had a congressman's office issue a statement at the school board meeting, you know, calling on the coach to be fired and, you know, the and the, and the titles be stripped. And the thing that people I don't think people are really like connecting the dots with is that CIS state is a state organization. And while they include, you know, while obviously they govern both public and private schools, their funding is state funded. And the same people that are responsible for where the, you know, for apportioning the money and um, appropriating the funds are the ones calling for this for the CIS title to be stripped. Yeah. And so all more the likely that, this is going to happen, you think. They're going to get stripped of their I, title. I think so. Hmm. Um I thought that the more appropriate punishment would have been prospective looking forward, um maybe banning them for the postseason next year. Yeah. Uh reducing reducing the number of non-league games they could play. So that basically they would just have like a league season and that would be it for next year's group. Yeah. Um, and considering the fact that the kids who threw the tortillas, both of them are underclassmen, they'd be back next year. So I figure, you know, you got some suspensions there or something. Yeah. They would have some suspensions. They would, and they would be the ones to bear the brunt of the team's punishment because they would be there on the team that didn't get to play in the next postseason and didn't get to play like, any of the preseason conference tournaments or preseason tournaments and stuff like that. So I thought that would probably be the most apropos, but once the, once the drumbeat of strip their title became so loud that the politicians started saying it, I, I just don't see a way that CIF can do anything but that. So, yeah. And then, and, and then the punishment may extend into the next season anyway, but it's unfortunate because, I think if you, you know, and again, this goes back to this goes back to JD. Had JD in the handshake line just maybe gone up to Chris and just said, "Hey, man, like there's a lot of bad blood between the staffs. Let's hold off on the handshake line. 
let's do the let's do the ceremony and get out of here. Like had he done that, none of this happens. And he walks away with a job, his team walks away with a bunch of titles, and we don't hear anything else about this. Yeah. But his outburst created the the created the all of the ingredients for this to occur. I mean, and I'm not hanging I'm not hanging the tortillas on him because obviously that was a guy that you know brought him in, but you know the chaos that ensued was directly as a result of his outburst toward their staff, and you know now Coronado is going to be like you know USC '05, you know where there's you know there's very <laughs> likely going to be a vacancy there. And we're going to all have to pretend that, like, we didn't watch this game and we didn't watch Alex hit this shot, mm. and, you know. Yeah. And there's just going to be a big vacancy. And that's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for the boys on the team that didn't do anything wrong, that, you know, that won a title and, you know, were ready to shake hands with their, with, with their opponents. That's what this is all supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about, you know, really tough competition, a heated game, but in the end we shake hands and we respect each other and we go back to our communities. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to happen here. And I mean, how unfortunate is it that we had to spend the last 30, 40 minutes talking about, you know, tortillas being thrown, bro. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like I text you, I didn't think I'd ever be talking about tortilla gate on my show. I didn't even know that this would ever be a thing. Um, But, you know, and I'll just keep saying this. Let this be a a learning moment for everybody. It needs to be it needs Mm -hmm. to be a learning moment moving forward. Um, And, you know, and and even I get it if you're upset because, you know, on the Coronado parent side, if you're upset because the polarization, because there are some people on the other side like the politicians that you mentioned who are using this and, and are, are being very loud about this, you know, probably because it benefits their, their base. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you still have to take responsibility for the actions done. You can be upset about that and still say, you know what, well, what we did was, was wrong. The actions that happened were wrong. And instead of turning it into a, they're just out to get out to get us sort of mentality. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel I feel from them in a sense, because I, I know it can be hard to to kind of just hear that all the time, but but you know what, you still gotta take responsibility. It comes down to that. You gotta take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to apologize nobody, and move nobody on. Nobody likes to nobody likes to have somebody talk about them. Like yeah. it's it's one of those it's one of those even as an athlete. You know, we've, you know, you and I both played sports. You know, we played, I played high school basketball, I played high school volleyball. I've been in games where, you know, you know, where people called me names and people said, you know, people in the stands said horrible things about me. Yeah. You know, I can't run into the stands and like fight people that want to say bad things about me. I have to sit there and I have to take it. And as a corn out of parent right now, you know, that's the equivalent of them running into the stands and trying to fight people, you know, create conspiracy theories and, and trying to deflect, you know, 
that's that's the equivalent of what they're doing right now. You have to sit there and you got to take it as painful as it is right now. Like you have to take ownership of of the incident. And I think if more people did this, the faster it would go, it would go away. Um, and we could get to talking about other great stories that are going on. You know, I I purposely went to the Swiss program on Thursday so that I didn't have to talk about tortilla gate for a day because <laughs> yeah. I knew that, you know, for, I know that for the next week or so, you know, that's all I'm probably going to be talking about as more developments occur. Yeah. But it, it, again, it's a teachable moment for everyone. If everyone would just sit back, you know, and deescalate and let's just move forward and learn from it, yeah. you know, and, and I think that I, I think the obviously the biggest teachable moments are for you know for the people from Coronado. Like, you know, yes, it sucks to be you know it sucks to be called out for certain things. It sucks that your community kind of has this reputation of fostering this type of behavior and activity. But you know, there's a lot to be said about perception being reality. I mean. Coronado is a beautiful town. It's full of wonderful people, but the reputation that Coronado has, you know, didn't just come overnight. You know, students in their own school, one of the students got up there and said, you know, we have this reputation because this is who we are. And, you know, we have to we have to grow and we have to understand that and we have to find out ways to to, you know, to eliminate that reputation by our actions. Yeah, and we don't do it by we don't do it by screaming we're not we're not a racist community and we're not this and we're not that like that doesn't get you anywhere. If anything, the people who scream the loudest that I'm not racist, you know, me naturally I'm like okay they're racist. So <laughs> you know we you know it's just it, it is what it is. Like if you're you're that you're it that just, it makes you want to look a little closer. That. I'm like like bro I gotta look at you now I gotta scrutinize that. And so, yeah, man, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to talk about anything else to end the podcast, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Throw, throw some other questions at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I just kind of we'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I want to hear about, you know, just how this year and season, you know, not not just for you as the evaluator, but you as a dad um, and having to you know, get AJ through, which this would have been his senior year, right? And Mm -hmm. he's going, so yeah, getting him through his senior year, you know, the shortened season, um, and just all the feelings, you know, because, you know, your your boy, he's moving on. He's going to go play college ball and, you know, across, you know, across the country, basically. And, you know, how how is that for you, just to see all this kind of come to fruition for AJ um, and for him to be moving on? It was such a topsy-turvy year. You know, March 5th, we're in the gym in Oceanside. They have their first workout. AJ looks really good at his game point workout. And then everything stops. You know, the next week, uh, his school, um, you know, his school sends him home. We think that it's going to be a couple of weeks of spring, like a longer spring break, but then they'll be back in school. Then it gets extended in a few more weeks. And then, oh, they're not going back to school this year. And then, oh, they're not, you know, they're not playing in July. And, oh, by the way, 
there are no like the colleges can't have any any official visits so you can't visit campuses and so everything just becomes completely topsy-turvy you know we've we had to in order to get aj up to idaho state the first time in pocatello we had to take an academic tour through the university they were still allowed to do those and so we you know on our own dime drove up there uh, visited the campus, had a campus tour with the student ambassadors, kind of the tours that, you know, you know, regular students take. Right. And then, you know, happened to happen to walk into the, you know, walk into the, uh, the gym, read gym at the time that they were practicing, wink, nod. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking you know, about. And, yeah, I have no idea. Wow, they're here, we're here. Oh, that's what a, what a coincidence, you know. And and we had to do it that way. And then, and then he commits in September. And then, oh, by the way, we're gonna have an AAU season now. <laughs> like what? So now we're playing these events in the fall and the winter. And you know, they honestly, as fun as they were, I talked to you know, I'm always in contact with these college coaches. They're like they're really meaningless because we can't we can't really make things out on these live streams like we don't know who we can't even tell which players which on the live streams and so it's hard for us to evaluate so like there's not really many offers coming out of all this and so then january rolls around and we get the big second we get the big third wave and you know i i'm i'm convinced at that point there's no way they're having a basketball season. You know, it's, we're at the point where, yeah, the vaccines are starting to roll out to um, all of the essential workers, but will they get to, um, will they get to the kids and to the adults in time to really change the numbers? I'm just not sure. And then all of a sudden in March, you have the lawsuit and then settlement. And then it's like, yeah, get ready. You're playing in a week. What? (laughs) (laughs) and i'm grateful i'm grateful that he had an opportunity down the stretch of his senior year to have a semblance of normal normalcy you know to play games with his teammates uh to go back to school um he was able to attend in-person classes two days a week from april 12th on um he had a graduation ceremony in petco park which was unique because it was the one place in San Diego where you could do a socially distanced enough celebration. Um, They didn't have a prom, but they had a red carpet gala movie night that the school district did a really good job on. Okay. And not to mention, you know, he had, he got to play, he got to play 30 games his senior year, which seemed impossible, you know, and it was for me as a dad, I mean, it was obviously, you know, keeping him, keeping him, trying to keep him in shape, you know, prepared for, prepared for the best and the worst, but most importantly, being prepared so that when he, it was time for him to go up to Idaho State, he was ready. Uh, that was obviously took, was really taxing, you know, but it, it helped that during the pandemic, you know, our, you know, the, the place where I work, I work at a public university, we weren't on campus. And so, it gave me a great deal of flexibility to be dad um, much more so than I normally would have been. And, you know, then you add on top of that, the layer of, you know, AJ getting, have, suffering his first 
real injury of his high school career, the very first game of the of the of the COVID season against Torrey Pines, he had a really really bad ankle sprain that all of us thought was going to end his senior year, and he's apparently made of adamantium, so he. <laughs> He came back three and a half, four Shout weeks later. Shout out to the X-Men fans out there. Yes. <laughs> so he came back three and a half, four weeks later and was able to finish his season off and, you know, pull them out of a huge hole. I mean, they started the year off two and eight, and it, it wasn't looking very pretty. And I know there were a lot of people that were already saying that because Sandy, you know, you know how it is when you're a lower level team for a few years, you know, when he got to San Diego, they were a D four program mm. and he had pulled them all the way up to D one. By the time he graduated, there were a lot of people who were questioning whether or not his team would be able to, you know, would be able to have any success uh, at the division one level in San Diego and starting out the year two and eight obviously didn't help that um, perception. And to his credit, you know, once once he got once he got physically back and into the swing of things, I mean, they won this incredible run. They finished the year going like twelve and six, twelve and four. You know, beat Saint Augustine. That was the first time the Cavers had beaten Saints in twenty five years. And you know, he finished the year off just on this absolute tear and made all CIF first team. And you know, to me, it's just like I'm sitting here like, wow, like you know, all this was so close to not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so close to not seeing my son walk the stage at graduation. I was so close to him not having, you know, some last lasting memories with his buddies. And I'm very grateful, you know, that he had that, ha- has had that opportunity. And then that took us into last week where, you know, the coaching staff wanted him to get up there during the summer so he could start training with Idaho state. And so for, I know a lot of parents, they have, you know, they'll have that, that kind of goodbye in August when school starts, but I had that last week and yeah, it was, it was really emotional. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this is a guy that, you know, this is a kid that I've, you know, he's been in my house for 17 years and, you know, we have all these memories and some of them fun and some of them, you know, obviously you were there at the, you were there at the All-American camp. You yep. can imagine what the ride home was that night. You know, you know, we've had those moments, but like I'm driving up to Pocatello and like, I'm just replaying all these, you know, moments in my mind. Like, could I have done things better? You know, you know, are, am, am I leaving on the right terms? But when I, when we moved him into his dorm and, you know, he walked us down to the car, you know, I just looked at him like, you're a special kid. You are an absolutely special kid. And I know that, you know, you're, you're obviously going to come back, you know, during summers and things like that, but it's never going to be like you're living here like, like this. And it's just been an amazing trip, son. It really has. And, you know, it's just reflecting on it. I'm just very proud of what of the young man that he's grown into and he's got a very bright future and as a parent it's you know it's it's obviously you know it's it's just incredible as a parent to be able to um it's 
just to be able to say that we were able to successfully get to this point with him and see him off. And for all the parents out there who are going through this, just know that the, that while it's hard to say goodbye, the ultimate payoff is that you have gotten your kid to this step and, you know, take a bow for yourself too. You know, it's awesome. That's awesome. I get kind of emotional. I get kind of emotional thinking about it, but yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's like y'all been through a lot, you know, especially this year. And, um, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for that and um, and all the other knowledge you dropped today and all that we talked about. And uh, we went a bit longer than, than I expected, but, man, we, we, t- we said some good stuff, you know. So um, I think everyone will benefit from, from uh, our conversation today. But uh, as we close out, Aaron, um, why don't you uh, let the people know where they could find you on social and also anything you got coming up that – maybe they could look forward to. So, all right, guys, you can hit me up. You know, my website is fulltimehoops.com. Uh, my Twitter handle and my IG are both fulltimehoops1, the number one. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be dropping my San Diego freshman of the year, my San Diego sophomore of the year, all freshmen, all sophomore teams, defensive player of the year, all defensive teams in, in San Diego, a lot of good stuff coming out, a lot of good material. And, of course, if you got to follow me about everything that's going on with Coronado, I'll be having those updates, too. Um, I'll be you, where you can catch me. You can catch me in, in the gym pretty much all summer. I'll be at a lot of the events coming up uh, next week, July 1st through 3rd. I'll be at the Cali Stars, Cali Rebels Game Point Showcase. And then throughout the summer, I'll be at all the live period events. So, you know, come through, say what's up to me. Um, don't worry, I'm I'm not a I'm not a vampire. Don't bite. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> thank you, uh, Aaron, for coming on the show, and uh, you have a good one, man. Hey, I appreciate you, Bryce. You man, hey, you're doing a great job, great service to your community, man. Keep this up. That'll do it for episode 22. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to rate and leave a review. Subscribe if you like the show. If you want more info about future shows or you just want to interact with me, follow me on social media at Bryce Broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Give Aaron a follow. Give his full-time hoops account a follow as well. Once again, thank you guys and until next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube